0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Last week, we suggested we would try to bring you William Wellman Jr. for today's show to talk about his old man, William Wellman Sr., who was the director of the first Oscar-winning motion picture for Best Picture, although they didn't call it that year. The picture was Wings. I uh, had a chance to take this in a few weeks back. It is one of only two Academy Award winners for Best Picture that are not available to you, the general public, on DVD, and I hope that changes. It's uh, it's a heck of a film, and... Uh, Mr. Wellman Jr. has got a documentary about his dad out called Wild Bill. So also has a first-class book out about the making of wings and a bit about his father's history. He's going to be, I promise you, a most interesting guest, but we couldn't quite get this together for today's show, so we're going to push that off until later in the month. We hope on that same program to be joined by Ben Burt, who is a four-time Academy Award winner for sound effects. The presentation of Wings at the Niles Historical Museum down in Fremont. Uh, Mr. Burt provided great sound effects for this movie. It's the only silent picture to win an Academy Award. And uh, it's got a a complete musical score to accompany it. It's just a heck of a story, and we're going to tell it, but not today. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure who we're going to have on today's show. These things evolve sometimes as we go along. It's one thing I appreciate about uh, being on a community-based radio station is that sometimes you're just kind of up on the high wire. A lot of our DJs uh, on, on this station uh, go out, and sometimes I'm not sure they're working with a safety net. In fact, I know they're not. Which does, I think, help us keep our edge. Let's begin this program as we like to do with On This Date in History, the date in question being the 11th of June. On June 11th, in 1509, King Henry VIII of Britain takes Catherine of Aragon, widow of his brother, as his first of what would be six brides. In his youth, Henry VIII was a staunch Catholic. In fact, the title, Defender of the Faith, bestowed upon the British monarch, came from the Pope. British royalty is still using it. As it would turn out, when Catherine was unable to give Henry a son and the Pope wouldn't give him a divorce, He then formed the Anglican Church, also known in America as the Episcopalians. If you ask members of the Church of England why it is they are not Catholic, they'll give you all sorts of convoluted reasons, but the real reason is they wouldn't give Henry a divorce. On June 11th in 1644, in a letter from this date, the Italian scientist Evangelista Torricelli described his invention of the barometer which would prove to be an incredibly useful device. On June in 1859, the, the Comstock silver lode was discovered in Nevada. We'd like to refer you back to our archives for our interview with Uncle John Javna from the Uncle John Bathroom Reader series, and we talked about how uh, the discoverers of the Comstock mine yeah, made, made a fair amount of money digging silver out of the ground, but where they really got rich was through stock speculation. Of course, luckily, due to modern regulations, we'd never see that sort of thing happen today, would we? Of course not. On this date in 1979, which, my goodness, 30 years ago today, John Wayne, the screen star of Stagecoach, True Grit, Rooster Cogburn, and himself an alleged actor, passed away of cancer at the age of 72. And on this date, eight years ago, June 11, 2001, Timothy McVeigh, convicted of unapologetically masterminding the bombing of the Oklahoma City Federal Building in 1995, was executed by lethal injection at prison in Indiana, to which I would like to add, good. Our quote of the day comes from the legendary Adam Smith. The famous economist once said, "'Virtue is more to be feared than vice.'" because its excesses are not subject to the regulation of conscience. And I'm sure before this segment's over, Will Durst is going to weigh in on that matter of uh, which is worse, uh, virtues or vices. Our quip of the day comes from Saturday Night Live uh, maven Lorne Michaels, who said, sadly, talent and character do not often reside in the same person. I guess what that means is the cast of Saturday Night Live must have a lot of character, because they're sure as hell not demonstrating a whole lot of talent these days. Our bonus quip of the day, which I think will also serve as our joke of the day, came from painter Alice Neal, who said, All experience is great, provided you live through it. If it kills you, you've gone too far. Actually, our faux headline of the day comes from the Humor Times. <laughs> which was as follows. Obama hopes to calm Americans with series of boring speeches. Hoping to soothe a nation whose nerves have been rattled by economic woes, President Obama today delivered the first in a series of numbingly boring speeches designed to put the nation to sleep. Actually, I'll have more to say about Obama's speech in Cairo in a minute. Our stat of the day, according to the New York Times... 70% of black children in the United States are born to single mothers. Ouch. Let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Good week a couple weeks back for Man's Best Friend When in the wake up of Jennifer Aniston's breakup with her latest boyfriend Her family told the press That Jen's corgi mix Norman growled and hid Whenever boyfriend John Myers Spent the night at her Beverly Hills mansion They added that At the time the Friends star Couldn't understand her dog's behavior But now future boyfriends Must pass Norman's Sniff test And no, we have no information on whether the dog liked Brad Pitt. Sorry. It was, on the other hand, a bad week a couple weeks back for man's best friend when it was revealed that a Florida man may lose his home because he walked his dog without a leash. Evidently, a court has ordered Robert Worth Jr. to pay $40,000 in fines, back interest, and legal fees in his... Legal battle with the the River Watch Homeowners Association of Tarpon Springs. They cited him for breaking its dog walking rules seven years ago. The Homeowners Association has filed a lien, and Worth, who owes his lawyers $60,000, now faces foreclosure. We're running out of money, he says. We do have a sneaking suspicion he might have settled that one a little earlier by not being stubborn. But being rather stubborn ourselves, we do find something in that to admire. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for, I think, everyone. In, the, in wake of the revelation that up in Seattle, the teacher who became notorious in the 1990s for a sexual relationship with a sixth grader has hosted a hot-for-teacher night at a Seattle bar along with her former student, who's now her husband. Yes, Mary Kay Letourneau, a name you probably hoped you would never hear again, served seven years in prison after pleading guilty in 1997 to raping Vili Fulau, who's now 26. They met when Fulau was in second grade and started having sex when he was 12, and she was a 34-year-old married mother of four. They were married in 2005, according to bar owner Mike Morris, she greets people, and he DJs. Here's the part I like the most out of this hideous story. Mary Kay Tourneau was the daughter of, a arch, of an arch-conservative California politician named John Schmitz. Schmitz represented Orange County, I believe, in the California state legislature, and was affiliated with the American Independent Party. Today, of course, he'd be a Republican. Schmitz was also a John Bircher and was a crusader against smut and pornography. It would appear in retrospect that Schmitz's family values approach maybe didn't pan out quite the way he'd hoped. And yes, we do think there's a lesson in this for all of us. All right, from the Only in America file, we have the fact uh, that uh, the Church of Scientology decided to protest the American Psychiatric Association's annual meeting in San Francisco last month, only to find that they themselves were being protested by a group called Anonymous. A week later, Scientology had the uh, distinction of being the first organized group to be banned from editing Wikipedia because they seemed unable to resist going in and changing entries they didn't like. The church has been on, a, been on a bit of a public relations offensive. They've been trying to change public perceptions about the organization, attacking, for example, the fact that uh, Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, apparently made a bet with sci- sci-fi writer Robert Heinlein at one point that he couldn't start a religion and make a fortune. In fact, the Scientologist kept editing the fact on Wikipedia that Hubbard once said, getting paid pennies a word is no way to go. If a guy really wanted to make a million bucks, he'd found his own religion. But I must say, I am captivated by the story. The organization's many and busy lawyers are reported to have gone so far as obtaining two affidavits, stating that Hubbard did not say anything like this in response to a question about making money from writing, at a meeting of the Eastern Science Fiction Association in Newark, New Jersey, on November seventh, nineteen forty-eight, these, uh, however, contradict an affidavit but sworn in a loss sworn for a lawsuit in Germany by Sammy Moskowitz, who was the director of the association at the time that Hubbard said it. Scientology has also gone so far as to deny that uh, people who progress to the operating Phaeton level in the course of their uh, of their um, what's called processing, uh, are told that humanity's origins involve a complicated story featuring a a galactic confederation led by an alien overlord named Xenu. A spokesman for the church in a recent radio interview claimed that these are outrageous claims on the internet about what Scientologists believe. However, the uh, person interviewing him (laughs) made him somewhat uncomfortable by then reading to him from a copy of Hubbard's manuscript of the Confidential Scriptures, which confirm the existence of the Xenu story. And uh, in this correspondent's opinion, that whole Xenu thing, which we've talked about in previous programs, is pretty goofy. But as a fallen Catholic myself, I do have to ask the question, how much goofier is that about the whole three wise men virgin birth thing? You know what I mean? Because that whole deal is a bit over the top, too. Might be good to mention right about this point that the opinions that you hear on this program are those of the host alone and do not necessarily, necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the unit regents of the university. Anyway, speaking of Jesus, uh, the Atlantic Online published a poll by the Pew Research Center which found that the more often Americans go to church, the more likely they are to support torture as an interrogation technique, which I think uh, raises Michael Moore's question. Who would Jesus torture? This is disturbing. 54, 54% of churchgoers who attend church weekly said the use of torture is often or sometimes justified. Support for torture among atheists, agnostics, and unaffiliated was substantially lower 40%. Commenting on this, John Mark Reynolds in the WashingtonPost.com said, White evangelicals are more prone to saying torture is justifiable than either Catholics or mainline Protestants. For those of us who take Christ's teaching seriously, this is grim news. Here's one from the goofball file. Apparently some researchers down at the University of Florida in Gainesville devised a test in which a person briefly touched a northern mockingbird's nest four days in a row, followed by a different person on the fifth day. And they observed in doing this, that the birds were slower to respond to the threat of a new person approaching their nest as they'd been once they realized that it was the same person coming to touch the nest so they conclude from this mockingbirds can tell people apart boy this just in pope catholic if you have any familiarity with these birds you know they're pretty smart and this this, this should not surprise anyone all right good. Actually, i actually have another another item from the goofball file headline Drinking cola may be harmful to your health. This did catch my eye because I do enjoy a cola beverage now and again. And when this research was tying cola drinking to hypokalemia, a dangerous deficiency of potassium, well, I decided to take a look. And while it is true that researchers in Greece have found that consuming large amounts of cola can apparently cause hypokalemia, what they left out of the headlines was how much cola you had to drink which it turned out was two to nine liters a day. I think medically speaking, if you drink nine liters of anything a day, you're probably going to run into some trouble. Once again, the key to all of this is moderation. Cola may not be a particularly healthy beverage, especially if it's full of high fructose corn syrup, but geez. (laughs) All right, speaking of vices and virtues, as we were a little bit earlier, uh, our good pal Will Durst has a thing or two to say about that.
1: Well, thanks, Doug. And today I'm here to tell you that the government has it all wrong. Yeah, I know, whoever heard that before? And this just in, water is wet. What's well, got my knickers in a big old knotted bundle this time around it is the age-old strategy of politicians balancing their financial misfeasance on the backs of the little guy. The little bad guy. I'm talking about syntaxes here, and I might have a bit more first-hand knowledge than the rest of you, because I'm pretty much the little bad guy they're focusing on. Yeah, that's right, I eat red meat, and I drink, and I even smoke, and we syntax targets are expected to silently cower in a greasy, smoky ice cube strewn corner as they go us for consuming things we know we aren't supposed to be using. But I'm convinced this is entirely the wrong way to go. See, the deal is, we degenerates kick off early hardly make it to our 60s. Every time I eat, I can hear my arteries harden. That's what the government should want. It's those darn healthy folk that end up lingering. They're the ones sucking up all of our Social Security and Medicare money. So here's what I propose. Instead of sin taxes, we institute a series of saint taxes, a healthy tariff. You want to live forever? Fine. Pay for it throw an excise fee onto fresh fruits and vegetables. And we subsidize wineries. Although cigarettes and french fries are given out by the government like cheese, you are required on a yearly basis to apply to the DMV for a seatbelt license. Tofu is illegal, and asparagus only available from behind the counter. Possession of sunblock is a felony, and the only way to get vitamins is from waitresses and jazz clubs. And finally, you can waltz into any bar for free, but we charge incredible Amounts of money to see a doctor. No, wait, we already do that one. All right. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst.
0: Will Durst, funny guy. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Let's take a short break.